Good morning, church body. Boy, there's a pile of you. I guess word didn't get out, I'd be preaching. There's still time to leave while I pray, so let's pray. Father God, as Lord, as we humble ourselves, Lord, we come running into the throne room because you have given us access right into you. And so, Lord, we run to your feet and we look for your face today. Lord, I just pray as we open this word, may we be opening your heart. Lord, this is a letter written from you to us. And may we hear what you have to say to us. Lord, may you change our lives, Lord, as we come together to read this. Lord, may you individually work in our hearts to change us more into your image, into the people you have called to serve you. And so, Lord, we love you. We thank you for this place and this time. We ask you to bless that in our fellowship, Lord, as we come together to honor and glorify you. In this time, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> you, uh, this band, this is my tribe. I love these people. You should have seen uh, this last week we ascended on Lagoon down in Utah. And we all went down there, uh, not for their Halloween, just so it turns out they got all their Halloween garbage going on this week. We showed up down there with our Jesus Freak shirts and ball caps, just to shine a little bit of light in their darkness. And that is my tribe. Man, I love these guys. If you guys got your Bibles, we're going to be in Colossians. In the book, in the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. <clears throat> people ask me, and say, Justin, how do you decide what you're going to preach on? See, Scotty is going verse by verse through the Bible. Thank God he's doing that because I get to do what I do, right? Scotty's teaching us verse by verse, teaching us through Daniel, teaching us through Genesis. But then when I come along, I get to teach anywhere I want. Scotty doesn't give me any rules. That's dangerous. <clears throat> and so somebody asked me, how do you decide? And I says, well, wherever I am, in my personal devotions, my personal readings, that's where you guys get to ride with me. Last time I preached, last time I shared, we were in Ephesians chapter 5. That wasn't much fun, was it? Me neither. <clears throat> now we're in Colossians, going to be just as much not so much fun. Um, I'm not here to teach you guys anything. Somebody this morning calls me Pastor Justin. I said, doofus Justin's good enough. <clears throat> I'm not here to teach you guys anything. I'm here to go through a section of Scripture with you guys, and I'm going to let the Holy Spirit teach you. But I'll tell you one thing, is I refuse to stand up here and teach through a section of Scripture that I haven't already gone through myself. Because I'm just going to share with you guys what God has showed me, and what's hurt me, and what's changed me. So I'm going to be pretty vulnerable and I'm going to allow you guys to take it. The pastor should never stand up here. Listen, pastors are not life coaches. Amen? Pastors are to share God's word and let God's word get into God's people and change. So, first, sorry, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. <clears throat> As Paul writes this letter, Colossians, from prison, he writes it to these people in Colossae, right? And it's people that have come into a faith of Jesus Christ. New believers, people that have come into believing Jesus Christ, maybe they've left Judaism, whatever they've left. 
But this book of Colossians is foundational. If you guys have never read through that, you need to read through the book of Colossians. Paul starts it out, chapter 1 of Colossians, teaches us the foundational, the fundamentals, the basics of Christianity, who Jesus Christ is, why He came, who we are, why we need Him, how to be baptized, what it looks like to be a Christian. Colossians chapter 1 is very foundational. You need Jesus. This is who He is, this is who you are with Him, and this is who you are apart from Him. Chapter 2 of Colossians, Paul writes to these guys to say, listen, now that you know who Jesus is, now that you've accepted Jesus, don't fall into the traps of man and religion. So he's writing this for false teachers, false doctrines. He's saying, listen, don't, get into the, don't fall back into Judaism. Don't fall back under man. Don't follow man. It's not about do touch this, don't touch that. It's, he says, listen, Christianity isn't a list of to-dos and don't-dos. That's the problem is Christianity these days, people stand up here and say, listen, do this and don't do this, and do this and don't do this. Listen, I only got one thing I have to do, and that's follow Jesus Christ. If I follow Jesus Christ, He will tell me what I need to do and what I don't need to do. I come to Jesus and He says, maybe you shouldn't talk like that, Justin. Maybe you need to quit drinking that and looking at that. Maybe you need to... That's between me and God. I got an idea. You follow Jesus, he'll change you. I'll follow Jesus and he'll change me. And so that's what he's saying in chapter 2. He says, don't. Don't go back under man. Don't go back under this religion. Guys, it's all about a personal relationship of Jesus Christ, you and him. Amen? And so then we pick it up in chapter 3. <clears throat> the problem is in Christianity and in mainstream Christianity, even in what we're doing, is we get people through chapter 1, we get people and kind of beat them up with chapter 2, but we never take people into chapter 3 of Colossians. This is what it looks like. I go up to people and say, you need Jesus. Jesus loves you. Jesus wants to forgive you. Jesus wants to change your life. Jesus wants to take all your guilt, shame, take all that away. You need Jesus. And he'll give you a life, an abundant life. Chapter 1. So people accept Jesus. And then I come back and beat them up with chapter 2 and say, listen, this is what you got to do. Right? And then don't do this and do this. And so then the problem is the society and the culture we live in, people coming out of the LDS religion, praise God for that. But the problem is, is we go up to these people and we say, you need, the, you need Jesus. You need to follow Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. This is who he really is. This is what the Bible teaches he is. You need that. Okay, I'll take that. Now you need to do this, this, and this, and leave all that religion behind and blah. Who are we to tell them what they need to do? But we never take them into chapter 3. Chapter 3 is discipleship. The Bible says, go into the world and make disciples. The Bible never says go into the world to make converts. So we're too quick to go in and say, you need Jesus, and do this and don't do this, good luck, and I hope it all works out for you. Chapter 3, it says, no, look, now I've introduced you to this awesome dude, Jesus. Dude, it's in the Bible, dude. I've introduced you to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I've helped you steer away from all the guilt and the condemnation and the rules of religion. 
And now I want to come alongside you and say, now this is how we walk with Jesus. I think I entitled my message, Let's Figure Out How to Walk. So today, we're going to come face to face with Colossians chapter 3, and I'm going to let God show you guys how He wants believers to walk. Foundationally, verse 1, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on things on this earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Amen, amen. So what he does in chapter 1 through 5 here is he talks about a past, a present, and a future. We're going to pull that apart as we go. Past, he says, if then you were raised with Christ, he says, and then you are hidden with Christ in God, and you will appear with Him in glory. So past tense, he says, if you were raised with Christ, what's that look like? Well, in chapter 2, he talks about baptism and how we identify with Jesus Christ. It says we identify with his death, his burial, and his resurrection, right? As I am baptized, as you are baptized, we go underneath the water, and that is the picture of Jesus Christ's death and his burial. And as we come back out of that water, that is the picture of the resurrection unto new life. Now, does that water wash my sins away? No, me aligning myself with Jesus Christ and the picture of his newness life, his new life and coming back to life, that's what washes my sins away. And so in chapter 2, verse 12 actually says, well, starting in verse 11, in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. We'll talk about that later. By putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, he made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. So he says in verse 1, he says, if then you were raised with Christ. That's the question today. We can't go any farther into chapter 3, into discipleship, and into trying to figure out how to walk out this Christian life if you're not a Christian. It's pretty simple. If you were raised with Christ, then we're going to do these things. If you're not raised with Christ, well, good luck, fumble through life. So first he addresses, he says, no, let's go back a little. If you were raised with Christ, did you miss that teaching? If you did die to yourself, if you did align with Jesus Christ, and you did say, this old man needs to die, have you guys decided that, and ladies too, have you made the decision that I'm tired of living out this life that I'm living? That man needs to die. Listen, I do it every single morning. I got to get up and I got to reckon this man dead. Reckon yourselves dead to self and alive to Christ. There's a lot of stuff about this old man that needs to die every single day. But have you decided that man needs to die and I want a new life? The Bible says you must be born again. 
Right? And, and it's an old cliche, he who is born once dies twice, and he who is born twice dies once. See, we're all born of the flesh. I hope you understand that, right? But your spirit is dead. If you don't know Jesus today, your spirit is dead. But if you've accepted Jesus Christ, man, you have a new life in you. The Holy Spirit dwells inside you. And for the first time in your life, you're what they call quenched. You're awakened. You're alive. You must be born again. And so now that I'm born of the Spirit, guess what? Sooner or later, unless the rapture happens, this old man has to die. So the flesh is going to die. But I've been born twice. Only my flesh is going to die. My spirit will never die. I will live for eternity with Jesus Christ. But listen, if you're not born of the Spirit, your flesh is going to die and your spirit is going to die. And it's called the second death. Look it up. And you will spend eternity a part of Christ and in hell. So, if you were raised with Christ, then what do we got to do? It says, seek those things which are above. Seek those things. It's an active, it's an active word here. I'm striving, I'm seeking, I'm looking for those things that are above. And later he's going to say, set your mind on things above and not on this earth. But every single day, I've got up and I've got to choose that I'm going to seek God. I'm going to seek His face. I'm going to seek this Word and try to figure out who He is. I'm going to look in this Word and try to figure out who I am and who I should be. I'm going to seek, what's it say, those things above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Very powerful thing in here. Christ is sitting. Two things about that man sitting. What do you do when the work is done? You sit. It says that in the Old Testament, the priests are standing in the temple daily. And Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of God. Everything that is required for salvation, for me and you to spend eternity with Jesus Christ, is complete. He says it on the cross, it is finished. My Jesus, my Lord, and my Savior is sitting at the right hand of God, and he says the work is complete. My beloved son, I just want to help you walk through life because he is sitting, ruling, and reigning. Second most powerful thing of him sitting is my Jesus is in control. You know, we're going to get into this little in a minute if I got time, which I don't care. All this stuff that's going on in Israel, Gaza, all this stuff that's going on over there, listen, I'm watching it. I really am. But it ain't getting me all wound up. I meet a lot of people like, are you a believer? Yeah, calm down. The ones that don't know Jesus ought to be getting wound up. How about we show this world what a little peace and trust in God looks like? Listen, I'm sitting back, and I'm watching the Bible take place on the news, and I'm kind of enjoying it. Now, listen, I pray for them people. I pray for protection. I pray that... But listen, the world has not fallen apart. It's fallen into place. And so as I watch the news, I'm seeking those things that are above. I'm setting my mind on things above and not on this earth. 
my God is in control. And he says this, set your mind on things above and not on this earth. We need to take our thoughts captive. Take your thoughts captive. See, here's the scary part is when I don't take my thoughts captive, I find myself into scary places, just like each and every one of you. Right thinking leads to right living. When I let my mind wander, my feet soon follow. Wherever you let your minds go, your feet will follow. Men, wherever you let your fingers go on your phone, your eyes follow. Whatever you focus on, right, whatever you aim at, that's what you're going to hit. I talked about this a few months ago. How many, how many, it'll blow your mind how many car accidents end up with people dying hitting telephone poles. Over, across the whole world, people die hitting telephone poles. If I do the math, telephone poles are about this wide, and the gap between them is pretty big. Well, why is it? Because as soon as they get out of control, they focus on that telephone pole. God, I hope I don't hit that. I hope I don't hit that. Bam, they hit that. You always land where you look. In the rodeo world, right? You're riding bucking horses, you're riding bulls. Even when I'm trying to teach my kids to rope, your loop goes where you look. The ball goes where you throw it. Your head lands wherever you look. That's why the Bible tells me to fix my eyes upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith, and run your race in such a way you may obtain that prize. So I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. I'm going to set my mind on things above. I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. Because I pray to God that that's where I land. And when I stumble and I fall, it's going to be at the feet of Jesus. So it says, take your thoughts captive, not on things on this earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. See, the problem is, is this verse says you died. I accepted Jesus. I am born again. The Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, dwells inside of me. But sometimes I get up in the morning and resuscitate the old Justin. Just to talk for a little while. Just to reminisce of the good old days. Hey, wake up. Let's hang out for a little bit. That's never a good day. That man has to die. You need to make a conscious decision that that person is dead. They no longer have an opinion in my life. He says, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. How do we kill him? How do you kill that old you? You have to starve him out. If you starve him long enough, he's going to die. So the desires that old man wants, let's say it is pornography for some of you men. 
As soon as you look at it once, you fed that old man and he's going to still live. So maybe it gets harder and harder not to do it, but I tell you what, you starve him and you starve him and you starve him. And with God's help, that man will die. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe you're not an alcoholic anymore. Maybe you're not a drunk. Maybe you're only sneaking drinks every once in a while. You're feeding him and you are the one that's keeping him alive. Starve that flesh out. But most importantly, it says you died. Have you decided? Now listen, if you truly are a believer, if you truly are a believer, if that man truly is dead, then your old life has no grip on you. Amen? A dead man has no opinions. I've spoken at a pile of funerals, and I've never once had the man say, I don't agree with that. <laughs> dead men have no opinions. They have no say in my life. But too many people are walking around saying they're believers with the whole victim mentality. Oh, but this. But I used to. But that man's dead. Oh, but... You know, I was hurt 40 years ago by somebody. That person's dead too. Maybe they truly are dead. But we cling on to that old man, and I'm a victim, and my, my mom hurt me, or my dad was rude, or I got into this, or I don't care. Like, bummer, yeah. That dude's dead. I talked to a guy the other day, and he was telling me about, man, this guy... My, this neighbor, and man, we got into it, and we, we had a lot of words, and man, he, he really made me mad just the other day. Well, a few conversations later, it was 32 years ago. Are you kidding me? You're still packing this? All that stuff that you're packing, people, you're packing because you like it. That's your little pet victim mentality. I cling on to this that my mom was not nice to me or my dad was rude. Dad, you're never truly going to live the abundant life that Jesus Christ promises us if you keep packing around this old dead man. Galatians 2.20. I really, really like Galatians 2.20. It's my life verse. For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. To will and to do his good pleasure. You're never going to know the abundant life in John 10.10. 10, unless you let that old man die. I want to show you this. We're going to get way long. Who cares? Romans chapter 6. <clears throat> you don't have to follow me there. Just write down Romans chapter 6. Go read the chapter later. I highlighted a few powerful things. We're going to go over the whole chapter. There's only four or five highlights. <clears throat> Romans 6.4. Therefore, you were buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so you also should walk in the newness of life. 
For we have been united together in the likeness of his death. Certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been set free from sin. Verse 11, likewise you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Verse 18, and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Verse 22, but now have been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit of holiness and the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is an abundant life, and there is a glorious life we can live here on this earth if it's with Jesus, and if you let that old man die. And me and my wife <clears throat> do quite a bit of marriage counseling, um, not because we have a fantastic marriage, uh, but as the people sit down, the first thing I do is I look at the husband, I look at the wife. It always makes them chuckle, but there's a deeper thing to it. <clears throat> I say, listen, your guys' marriage is never going to be any good till one of you is dead. <laughs> it could go both ways. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. Now, spiritually, let's go back. It's church, right? Unless one of you decide to die, hopefully both of you die to yourselves. But if you're both greedy, selfish, ignorant, rude, stubborn, yeah, and then there's my wife. She's none of the above. We have to decide that we are dead and you are hidden with Christ in God. I am with Christ in God. That is my identity. I meet a lot of people that struggle with their identity. I ask people all the time, what's your identity? Well, I'm a parts salesman. I work at the site. I'm a housewife. I'm, you fill it in. That's your identity? I meet a lot of people that I truly believe that if they lost their job, they'd lose their identity. A lot of moms' identities are wrapped up in their kids. I've seen this poor young lady I know... She lost her child a couple years ago. She's lost her identity. And that's all, I mean, yeah, I feel bad for her. I pray for her. I'm brokenhearted. But your identity was wrapped up in your child. Listen, you can take my job. And it hurts to say, you can take my kids. You can take my wife. But you can't take my Jesus. My identity is that I am with Christ in God. And if I am hidden in God, you can't take my Jesus. So what's your identity today? There's a lot of people stumbling around with identity issues. Who am I? You're a child of God. The rest of it's just cream on the top. I am a child of God. The only time the enemy has any fun with me 
is when I come out of my hiding place and I let him. Say it again. The only time the enemy has any fun in your lives is when you come out of your hiding place and let him have fun in your life. So I may be a coward, but I'm going to keep running and hiding in my hiding place, and that is in Jesus Christ. Verse 4, we're supposed to get to 17, ain't going to make it. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Amen. When Christ, who is your life. Christ is my life. That's all I want to talk about. Like, listen, I I love doing all sorts of cow work, and I love shooting stuff, and I love hunting, you know, and and being a man, that's cool, right? I like, not as much as I love Jesus. It says right here, he says, when Christ, who is our life. Is it your life? Is Christ really your life? Or is it your toys, your truck, your job, your bank account? Because I guarantee none of that is going to offer you any glory like this verse does. Because it says, when he appears, I will come with him in glory. That is so cool. We have that promise that I get to come back with Jesus Christ. Actually, the Bible says in Revelation, I'm going to be riding a white horse. It says that when Jesus comes back, right, the saints, the army, that's us, come back with him on white horses. Now, there's a difference between the rapture of the church and the second coming of Jesus Christ. I'll explain that in another message. I pray to God that it's the rapture of the church. When I hear that trumpet and the twinkling of an eye, Thessalonians says, boom, I'm out of here, and I'm going to be able to meet him face to face in the clouds. But if I die first, here's the question I present to you today. At the second coming of Jesus Christ, what will you be looking at? Will you see Jesus face to face, or will you be looking at his back? Because if Jesus is Christ's second coming, I'm going to see his back. And I pray to God none of you see Jesus' face at the second coming. And it says when he returns, we get to return with him. That is our promise. Back to verse 1. If you are born again, if you are hidden in Christ, if you have set your mind on things above, if you've let this world leave and the old man die, Someday you're going to come back on a horse behind my king, and we get to rule and reign with him. Therefore, verse 5, we've got to move on a little, I guess. Verse 5, therefore, put to death the members which are on this earth, fornication, uncleanness, Passion, sorry, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Therefore, 
because of all these things, because you are a child of God, because you are identified with him, because you've let that old man die and you ain't you ain't carrying that baggage no more because you are hidden in him because we have the promise we get to return with him because of all these things let's clean our act up a little bit if you're going to call yourself a believer maybe we ought to start acting like it but that ain't for me to tell you that's for God's word to tell you because this list punched me in the gut the last two weeks and there's another list we get to that really got me That's between me and God. And he says, Palmer, if you have all these promises, maybe we should deal with some of this stuff. Okay. Put to death. So I need to starve out fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. These mostly, out of the the four of these, are sexual sins. See, We have sex in this world a little bit uh, backwards. As I I counsel people, young people are coming to me having all sorts of sex. And I'm thinking, you guys probably shouldn't be doing that if you're not married. (laughs) Married people come to me and they're not having any sex at all. Maybe you guys should be doing that. The ones that shouldn't be are and the ones that should be aren't. Well, if you want to get rid of a lot of garbage, then don't. And if you want a better relationship, do it. But in this list, he starts out with fornication. We get our word pornea. We've gone through that. It's anything sexual outside of marriage. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time in this list, but as he goes on, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. In this list, he keeps making it broader and broader, and broader, until I guarantee you found yourself in this list. So listen, maybe you're not having sex outside of marriage. Maybe you're not cheating on your wife. Whatever, okay, you've got the first one down. I'm proud of you. Uncleanness, hmm, maybe you've got that. Evil desires, I'll bet I'm striking a few nerves now. And covetousness, well, we're Americans, we're all guilty. And idolatry. Anything that we worship other than Jesus. Anything that is more important to you than Jesus. What has your thoughts? Whatever takes your time, your money, and your thoughts is your God. Is it your hobby? Is it your truck? Is it the house? Is it the grandkids? Any of it could be idolatry. If you spend more time, more energy, and more money than you do with your relationship with Jesus Christ, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. So my question today is, whose son are you? Listen, he's telling us there is judgment coming. He already told us he's coming back. And he tells us here, he says, there's judgment coming. And the judgment's coming on the sons of disobedience. Are you a son of disobedient? Or are you a child of God? You're only one or the other. You sit in this room today, you have to decide 
who's your daddy? Because you're only serving one of two masters. You're a son of disobedience or you're a son of God. He says, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. A few verses ago, it said that I was in Christ. And now he says, some of you are in these. So do you find yourself hidden in Christ or find yourself tangled in sin? You're only caught up in one or the other. Choice is yours. But now you yourselves are put off these. Oh, no. See, we dealt with the big sins. The big sins. Listen, I don't murder. I don't steal too much. I don't cheat on my wife ever. Right? So I've dealt with the big sins. But then we get to the little sins. Because this is every single one of us. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth, except for when working cows. I'm glad he put that in there. I needed that. But now you are to put off all of these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and put on the new man who is being renewed in the knowledge. So he addressed the flesh. Now he addresses my tongue. Problem is, is I have a hard time bridling my tongue. There's this cage of teeth around this tongue, and I still let it flap. And he says, you guys are to put these things off. We deal with these little sins. And all he's saying is, how about we quit looking and acting and talking like the world? It's about time... We quit looking like this world. Come out from among them and be set apart, the Bible says. I I actually did a rodeo Bible camp in Rigby for a bunch of young kids, and I went over this verse here, and it says, filthy language out of your mouth. And I said, listen, I I only have one favor to ask of you. If you're going to cuss like a sailor, please, please don't call yourself a believer. Please, if you want to talk like that, that's fine. That's your prerogative. I used to, just like it says when you walked in these things. But if you want to be filthy mouth, if you want to tell them dirty jokes, and if you want to talk like that, and you want to cuss in every sense, that's fine. Please, dear God, don't tell anybody you're a Christian. But if you really truly want to be a believer, it's about time we start acting like it. I read a story last night of Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great, uh, I don't really know much about this man, right? He was a good commander and leader. Alexander the Great one night was walking around. He couldn't sleep. He goes out uh, to the battlefield and he finds one of his soldiers sleeping, which to be sleeping on guard like he could be punished and killed, right? 
Alexander the Great goes out, finds this man sleeping. And what they used to do is the leaders could throw kerosene on them while they slept and just light them on fire. And so this man wakes up and he's scared to death because here's Alexander the Great, <clears throat> this great conqueror and leader. And he says, son, what are you doing? He was sleeping on duty. And he says, what's your name? He says, Alexander. He says, no, I asked you your name. He says, my name is Alexander. He says, well, son, either change your conduct or change your name. I'll tell you what, that really hurt me this week when I read that story. I thought, hmm, I either got to change my conduct or I got to quit calling myself a Christian. And so he says, put these things off and put on the new man that is being renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there's neither Greek nor Jew nor circumcised nor uncircumcised nor barbarian, nor Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. I'm not going to get as far as I wanted. We'll wrap it up next year when I speak again. <clears throat> Verse 10, you have become a new person. We are to put these things off. He says, put off the old man and put on the new man. Listen, these things are not stuck to us. The filthy language, the malice, the covetousness, the greed, the idolatry, the fornication. We can put these things off. It's just like changing our clothes. Take that coat off and put a new one on. Take off your filthy garments and put on your robe, saying that you are my child. And he says, now there's no longer slave nor Jew nor circumcised nor uncircumcised. We have to realize one thing, that with God, we're all the same. There's nothing more level in this world than the ground at the foot of the cross. And so as I come to Christ and you come to Christ, we are all in Christ. And it says what? And Christ is all and in all. I am a work in progress. You guys are a work in progress. I'm not who I want to be. And I'm not who I should be. But I thank God I'm not who I used to be. Listen, I'm running my race. You guys run your race. We're all headed for the same eternity, the same goal, the same prize, eternity with Jesus Christ. Just because the person next to you's path is a little more windy, has a little more bumps in it, and maybe he stumbles and falls a little more than you do, we're all on the same path. We're all trying to live out this Christian life. We're all trying to figure out how to stumble through this thing. I call it Christian by Braille. And I'm feeling my way through this life, and that worked. Well, that didn't. I don't care what your background is. I don't care where you came from. I don't care what your past is. In God's eyes, we're all children of God. 
and we should all be found in Him. So how can I best come next to you and help you walk your walk and run your race? Chapter 3 of Colossians. Get into it and read it. Figure out how to walk through this life. Find you a tribe. Find you a group of people to get with. I have an amazing tribe. I have a group of people. I'm not kidding you. And uh, just like it says in Hebrews 10, I wrote it down. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering who promised and is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as we see that day approaching. I want to come together and I want to say, how can I spur you on? How can I encourage you to run your race, this Christian life? Listen, this is the owner's manual. Get into it. Figure out how much God loves you and what He wants for you. It's not about the religion. I don't care where you come from. It's all about Jesus Christ. I don't care what your baggage is. Reckon that man dead. Today, you're a new creation in Christ. The Bible says that all that old is dead and gone. And you are alive to Christ. And you are a new creation. So today, let's keep marching. Let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And let's encourage one another just one more day. Leave all that junk behind. Leave all that sin behind. Run to your hiding place. And let's run to the goal, eternity with Him. Amen? Let me pray and we'll do one more song. Father God, Lord, we just thank You for Your Word. Lord, how it encourages us teaches us how to walk, Lord, to walk with you. Lord, as we lay all this baggage at your feet, you say, Lord, as you promise, come to me all who are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. And so, Lord, today, there's people sitting here, Lord, that need to put off the old man. The weight of carrying him is just getting to be too much. and We don't have to carry that old man. We don't have to carry our sins, our guilt, and our baggage. So today I pray as the people leave this place, your children, I pray they leave it all here. The weight that is holding them back from running their race and walking with you. The weight that is holding them down, the shame that they're trying to cover up, and the guilt, Lord. I pray as we leave this place, may we identify with you. May we cling to you and hide in you and learn how to just hold on to you and walk with you. So as we seek your face, Lord, we're going to let this world fall away. Lord, we fight from a place of victory. You've already won the battle. And so we're going to continue to fight the fight we have to fight. Lord, knowing that we will return with you in glory. So we cling to that promise. And I pray for a refreshing of your spirit in these people this week. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.